Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. With me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Sorry, I was dancing. <laughs> Chair dancing, to be sorry, precise. Sorry. Well, it's good to be back in the studio live after three weeks away. What have you been up to, Heather? Um, I had a little bit of a holiday and then I was doing a little bit of work. Um, yeah, just enjoying the, the great weather over the, over the last it's been fantastic yeah, hasn't it yeah. phenomenal yeah so yeah just mainly chilling I've got I've got a bit more holiday lined up but uh, yeah it's all been good it's all been good what have you been doing holidays holidays school holidays a bit more holidays and a bit of work in between ah uh, right yeah oh yeah yeah school holidays yeah if you've got kids yeah you have to have your holiday now don't you yeah well we're back on with the show <laughs> we're back and we're glad to be back um and in a week when Thomas Cook, uh, the tour operator, has been saved in an 11th hour rescue deal worth uh, around £900 million by a Chinese investor. And according to which magazine, supermarkets are coming under scrutiny for offering misleading special offers and discounts, even though there are rules in place to stop to stop that. And of course, we see the UK political stage just delivers an almost unprecedented decision to prorogue Parliament ahead of the Brexit deadline, which, to say the least, is looming large. We've decided to take a look at some other news items that have caught our eyes. Tracy, what have you spotted this week? Well, actually, I just would like to say that prorogue is a new word in my vocabulary. So I, that is one positive. I, I, You've learned a I word. I think a lot of people are now using the word because it's quite quite pleasant to pro say, rogue. even if everything else that's going on is a bit yes. unusual. Pro-rogue, yep. Um, collaborative economy is what I thought I'd have a look at today. And we've, we've done a little bit of research. I started off at Investopedia. And collaborative economy, a marketplace where consumers rely on each other instead of large companies to meet their wants and needs. And also can be known as a sharing or shared economy or a peer-to-peer economy. Okay, all right. So um, tell me a bit more about what that is. Well, essential to a collaborative economy is a company or a group that acts as a middleman to facilitate um, consumers relying on each other so for example uber um, where, where they act as the middleman for people offering rides to people who need a ride or etsy people who make jewelry connecting them with people who want to buy jewelry and handmade items and one of the um, earliest ones probably one of the best examples is ebay and the the a network that links buyers and sellers on the internet, and that's been going since 1995. So eBay collaborative has. economy is not a new thing. Wow, gosh! Um, and they they're described as a a, a network orchestrator, um, creating a peer to peer network where participants interact. We all know what eBay is. So that's the idea of. Um, collaborative economy and as far as I understand there are two main types of of business involved. One is a commercial business model in which a company provides for a fee uh, an app or some sort of platform for suppliers and customers to to get together so that would be the likes of eBay and they're not-for-profit initiatives usually based on the concept of like a book lending library and um, these other ones uh, I've heard popping up where sharing of power tools that sort of idea so in your street yeah you know is everybody using a drill all of the time 
No. So okay. you actually share the the um, things, and that that's based on um, a free or, or, or maybe a, a subscription basis. Did so you? That could be like a car sharing scheme. You know, which we, they've sort of built up. Well, some of yeah. them are commercial, a car sharing commercial, commercial enterprise um, yeah. is a thing that exists, isn't it? And and I think there's the shades between the two, between commercial and not for profit. There's all different shades on mm. on that spectrum. What well, some of the things that I um, that that came up when I was having a look is more around finance, so peer to peer lending, where you know people there'll be some people who have got some money that they want to invest in somebody who needs money, uh, and it might be that okay, you need to have your paperwork done, but it might be that the proposition to go to a bank isn't a realistic one because the bank's not going to want to take the risk. Um, and also crowdfunding, we've learned a lot about people crowdfunding, all sorts of things. And you can use um, Kickstarter, for example, uh, where, you know, you might have uh, an idea for a product and you'd say, I- I'll make, you know, I'd like to make this product, but I haven't got the capital to upfront. And people say, yeah, well, okay, we'd fund that, uh, we'll buy that. And so y- you're sourcing, you're almost selling before you have the commitment of manufacturing. And then also things like Airbnb. Yeah. That's massive. I've, have you ever used Airbnb? I haven't, no. No, I, I, I know a lot of people who have yeah. very successfully. Yeah, yeah, it sounds Yeah, it sounds like it's, it, it works. I, I don't know, I can't get quite get my head around it, just in case it's not. It doesn't work out, but there's no reason to think. But there's um, Home Exchange, Airbnb and VRBO. I don't know what that is. Um, But yeah, it's that whole uh, you need somewhere to stay. Somebody's got a spare room or somebody's got a spare house that they only use part of the time. Uh, And you can you, you can be connected. And of course, a lot of this wouldn't be possible without the Internet of Things, because that yeah. is the thing that, that joins everything together. Yeah, it, it's the platform that you use. Um, one example um, that, that sort of came across my radar yesterday, um, sometimes what we do is we plan out the subjects we're going to talk about a couple of weeks in advance and not necessarily do any heavy research, but somehow you tend to notice the so things that things, are yeah. irrelevant. Mm. And this is an example of one of those things happening. Uh, just came into my radar yesterday, a company called Olio, O-L-I-O, and their aim is to connect neighbours to share food and other things rather than throw them away. Um, they claim it's fast, it's free and it's friendly. So they've got a desktop version and they've got an app version. And if you've got spare food that you're not going to use, you can put it up for offer on the app and somebody can come and get it. Okay. And this applies to individuals and it applies to businesses as well. So if you were a business, one of the examples they give on the website is uh, as an office manager, maybe you've got uneaten fruit or milk or sandwiches at the end of the day or at the end of the week, if, you, if you're providing these for your staff, then you can put them list on there and they'll come and pick them up from you and organise to redistribute them or an individual can come and fetch them. Uh, if you are actually a food business... So a bakery, a coffee shop, a deli, a supermarket, a canteen, a hotel, a school, a farm or any other food business, um, then they can actually provide you with a service um, which connects you with food waste heroes and pick up and redistribute your surplus food for you. So then if you're you're working towards zero food waste, they can actually help. Now, there's a small fee for that one, which is how they make money, which is charging the businesses that they provide this programme for. But for everybody else, it's, it's a free service. 
I've not explored it any further. Like I say, it literally came uh, uh, into my um, awareness yesterday. But it looks like a really interesting and good example of a collaborative economy. Yeah, because it's that's that's not so much about the business. That's about the man in the street and being able to you know to to share. Yeah, food you're throwing those. something away. Yeah, you somebody don't need needs it. it. There's bound to be somebody that needs that precise yeah. thing that you're throwing yeah. away, and and making that um, available to them. It sounds like a great idea. Well, we have in Oswestry. Uh, I live in Oswestry, um, but I'm sure that they exist all over the place. We have something called Oswestry Free for Sale or Swap. So if you've got, I mean, we've put things on there, you know, you've got a bike. Like you free cycle. Need. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and, okay, you might want to sell something, you might want to swap something, um, or you might just want to give something away. And it's it's great that we've moved away from a time when you wouldn't do that because it would be, people would be like, what? It's, it's not like begging isn't that like you know taking stuff for, for free and it's like no i've got this thing i don't need it it's in my way take it away and with the food thing i've got this food i'm gonna throw it away yeah I mean, perfect example and on a much smaller scale is before we went away on our holidays we realized we had some food with some bread and some tomatoes and some other things that we weren't going to be taking with us we weren't going to be needing mm. so we we you know sort of gave it to family and said can you use this yes uh, it's on a on a slightly bigger scale yeah, than yeah. that I no guess. it's great yeah. it's great so if you want to look uh, into it further and, and find out more about the potential and the future of the collaborative economy we found a resource um, an organization called nesta and their website is nesta nesta.org.uk it's a great website they, they formed a partnership with a collaborative lab and they wrote a report called Making Sense of the UK Collaborative Economy. But they've also created this fictional town called Sharetown. And they've 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 made this visualization and and as they say themselves, an unashamedly positive vision of a preferred future in which interactions with sit, between citizens and local government are balanced and collaborative. It looks really good and they've got little examples you can click on the map and it tells you about the different people and what they're doing collaborative, collaboratively in Sharetown. So if you want to have a look at that, um, Heather will be writing the blog later on yep. and uh, she'll include a link for that on our website. So just go along and find the latest episode at our website, which is thebusiness.community. In other news this week, uh, we spotted a few stories, one that I'm not a football fan, but one that um, the football fans amongst you will have noted um, with with sadness, I imagine. And that is the collapse of Bury Football Club. Bury. 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 If you live in Bury, Bury it's Bury, <laughs> isn't it? Um, Bury Football Club. They were expelled from the English Football League uh, after the takeover that they were seeking collapsed. And... Um, there's just been no solution to the problem. Uh, they've tried hard to make uh, to, to pull things together, but it just didn't happen. And it's certainly demonstrating that for some of these smaller clubs, um, I, mean, I say smaller in that they're not, you know, the Premier League clubs. Um, finance is becoming a, a real challenge. I've heard the, the um, talk that. Um, these smaller football clubs need to think about different ways of financing, you know, so member own, uh, so ownership by the fans and, and things like mm. that and, 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 and recreating the idea of what 
a, a viable football club is. Yeah, a different business model. There's a similar situation with Bolton Wanderers, again, a northern club. Um, they have been told that they need to find a buyer within 14 days or they will be expelled by the um, EFL. So it's not, you know, it's... It, it, I don't think it's going away. I think this is a growing problem. And it's really sad because, as I say, I'm not I'm not into football at all. But then there's this massive wealth of these larger organisations. And they're not in comp- direct competition with each other. You know, could the one not prop the other one up for the good of these smaller clubs who are really part of their community and have a, you know, a very local following. Yeah, so the, so the grassroots, the, you sort of need to bring on the youth, don't you? Yeah. And, and presumably the big clubs can't do that all on their own. No. So then there should be some collaboration. <laughs> We've been talking about collaboration. collaboration. You know, there should be some some flow, um, I think. Uh, but hey, what do I know? I don't know anything about football. Um, and then um, another thing that caught my eye um, and we were talking about this off air. Um, there was an article uh, where Richard Branson um, wishes he was just starting up in business today <laughs> because with technology as it is, um, the group founder of Virgin um, says that, uh, you know, in his day, not so easy. Nowadays, yeah, you, you know, people will buy from somebody at home. Uh, you don't have to have a present on the high, presence on the high street. Um, the cost of starting a business is significantly reduced because you can literally do it from a back bedroom. You can get funding through crowdfunding, startup loans. Um, and even though there's more competition, he says, if you've got a really good idea, it will um, it will overcome. Um, I've got to say, I find that really insulting for anybody who's trying hard with a startup business now. I don't think it's any easier. It's no, different, it's Richard. Different. And I think it's easy for him to say that from his private island. Yep. Oh, I could, I, you know, I wish I was starting all again. Actually, does he wish he had nothing? Mm. Does he wish he was working all hours to try and work out how to make his business work? I, 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 sometimes he just, yeah, beggars belief. Yes, <laughs> it, yeah, and. And, and it's not just a throwaway comment. This is an interview. So, you know, and he's repeated. He's clearly thought this about this. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, and then finally, um, some uh, a news item that just that broke today on the it was on the Reuters website. Um, the British new car production fell by 106 um, percent in July. And that's the 14th consecutive month of declines due to a weak demand in, in the EU Um and Asia, and some model changes that are, that are um, in place. And of course, I mean, I'm at the point where I need to be changing my car. And there are certain things that are going to be happening towards the end of October that have significant impact on how much that vehicle might cost. Um, so, yeah, interest, interesting times in inverted commas. <laughs> yeah, Talking Trace- of interesting in inverted commas. Um, I was reading some research by a credit check company, CreditSafe, uh, and they've got some bad news for Wales. It appears that um, Wales as a region has been struggling with entrepreneurship since June 2016, which was the the referendum. Oh, crap. Um, And Wales has come bottom in the table um, with 18% decrease in new businesses from May 2016 to April 2019. And comparing that with the West Midlands, which saw a 21% increase in that same period. Um, Just 
so you can get an idea of size, Wales recorded 22,415 startups from May 2016 to April 2017, which dropped to 18,000 or so in the 2018-2019 period. And sadly, they also gathered data on the number of insolvencies and found that Wales had a 66% increase in insolvencies in the past three years. Wow. So uh, next week we're interviewing the local MP, Ian Lucas, about this, mm. the um, state of business in North Wales. Uh, I think we might bring that up in the conversation yes. and see if he's got any insight into what's going on there. Um, but I've got some lighter news. Thank shall you. We say. Yes. So earlier this week, I hear that KFC did the unthinkable. I've never eaten in a KFC because I've been a vegetarian since I was 15, since before KFC was... Well, they were even invented. <laughs> well, certainly before it was in the, in the provincial town where I'm from. Um, and testing two new plant-based, that's vegan, fried chicken products, chicken and in inverted commas, okay. um, in one of its stores in the US in actually uh, Atlanta. Um, they, they've trialled vegan nuggets and boneless wings and apparently it was so successful they sold out within less, uh, within less than five hours apparently. Uh, beyond fried chicken they've called it. <laughs> okay. Um, and so asked, um, they're asking other customers if it was anything like real fried chicken and apparently they say yes, it's the best um, like chicken product that's around apparently. I don't like chicken so I don't want to like chicken product but if you're vegan for other reasons not just because you don't like meat um, then you, you might be looking forward to some KFC fried chicken and in inverted commas. I wonder if the people who ate it were chicken eaters or whether they were vegan. Yeah because I've got a friend who it, likes vegan sausage rolls and says they're, they're almost, from certain um, bakeries, almost indiscernible from um, meaty sausage rolls. I yes. thought, well, that's not a selling point for me. No. Um, make one that's like very much like Paxo or something. That would suit me fine. Just something very yeah. definitely um, not sausage. But it's no secret that the fast food industry is interested in this. We, we talked mm. about the vegan sausage mm. rolls um, and... A lot of the companies are looking and research shows that 18 percent of American adults are trying to incorporate more plant based foods into their diets. So it's a thing. It's, it's going to be happening more and more. So um, be prepared for KFC with their vegan products. If, if that's what you're interested in. Um, and one last piece of news that I noticed this week, the Small Business Commissioner has published a report on Bupa insurance services exposing their poor payment practices um, and they made an inadequate offer of late payment interest to a small chain supplier. If you want all of the details on that, you just go to the smallbusinesscommissioner.gov.uk. Had a quick look through the report. It's got a very detailed time scale as to when the invoice was issued when it was followed up when they chased it and what happened once the small business commissioner got involved interestingly enough Bupa responded straight away to the uh. small business commissioner so it does seem to be working it's something we've had our eye on for uh, over a year now isn't it Dan? and looking at this so it does seem that they're they are having some sort of impact. And in the report, they made a number of recommendations. So um, we'll keep an eye on that and see if uh, anything else comes up from them. 
Right. Okay. So that's uh, some of the things that have caught our eye in the news this week. Um, If you've got any comments or observations, you can, of course, share your thoughts via our Facebook page. So this show's Facebook page, The Business Community, or our website, thebusiness.community. You're listening to The Business Community on Calon FM. This part of the show, Heather and myself share things that we've found, we've discovered, we've read, we've learned. It could be something that surprised us, annoyed us or whatever. But this week, I'm starting with a book and it's called Impact. How to be more confident, increase your influence and know what to say under pressure. It's by Dominic Colenso and there's a foreword by Daniel Priestley, who... For some reason, I seem to think writes a lot of forewords. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I get a sense that, oh, it's Daniel Priestley again, who I really rate. We we like his books. Um, Key Person of Influence yes. is, is the one that yep. we've reviewed on the show. Yep. So I, I do value his opinion, so that's fair enough. And... Um, in the foreword, Daniel Priestley actually says, uh, verbally communicating ideas is so vitally important that the first skill we train entre- entrepreneurs in is pitching, which is a very good yeah. point. And this book isn't just about pitching, but obviously the pitch is going to be part of it. Uh, the book goes on to say you cannot not communicate. You're always on, whether you're aware of it or not. Others are watching your every move. <laughs> Don't have nightmares, folks. Okay. Listening to your tone of voice, analysing the words you use and making snap judgments about you. And uh, he goes on to say that while I've written this book primarily for people in the world of business, the principles are universal. They're just as applicable in your personal life as they are in your work life. And we've talked about that before when we talked about things like To Sell as Human, the Daniel Pink book. It's like we're selling all the time. We're communicating all the time. So if you want to be aware of what it is that you're communicating, this book could be really useful for you. And. Uh, the, the book is structured around a model. He's called it the impact model. And so um, impact stands for intention, mindset, presence, audience, content and technique. And it, it's structured really nicely. Uh, so, for example, he says intention is define what you want to ensure you get it. So it's a good starting place, to be perfectly honest. Uh, you need to think what you want your audience to know and what information you need to get across. But you also, and I thought this is a really good point, and I'll check it with you, Heather, being the communications expert. You need to go beyond what you think you want them to know. You have to define what you want them to feel. So you need to be able to engage them on an emotional level as well as an intellectual level. And then how do you measure your success? It's what action they take. So you also have to set your intention as to what you want them to do. Um, and it carries on in those sorts of tones. So some really useful stuff. For example, in mindset, he just describes it as controlling the voices in your head. Okay, yeah, you got to you got to control the voices in your head. Presence. So it's using the power of your body and your voice. Now he used to be an actor. Okay, so, so he's using some of the skills from being an actor. And uh, he he mentions in the book where people say, "Well, it's easy for you. You used to be an actor." Well, actually, the skills that he's you learn, so yeah. you can learn to use these as well. Um, audience, um, understanding who's listening and speaking their language. I'm sure you'll agree with that yeah, one, Heather. Absolutely. Content, choose your words to create maximum engagement and technique. Make your performance consistent and authentic. 
And one of the other paragraphs, I, I just highlighted three words. You are unique. Absolutely. Well, yeah. So bringing yourself yeah. to the, the presentation or to the scenario, even if it's walking into a meeting, what is it that you're bringing yeah. to it? It's your authentic self. Even if you are acting a role, there's still an authenticity to you there. So and I think it's really useful. Um, I, I would recommend it. I got it on uh, Kindle Unlimited, so that that's still working for me at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I did mention that I would be prepared to let that subscription go if it stopped, if it dried up with the sources of books. And I have to admit, it doesn't always have the books I want to read on there. But it is bringing up new content that I perhaps wouldn't have picked up off the shelf like this one. So that's um, recommended from me. If you're not feeling very confident about how you um, come across in a group, not just a presentation, you know, walking into a room, networking, even just in your day job, how to be more confident, increase your influence and know what to say under pressure. That's by Dominic Colenso. Mm-hmm. What have you discovered this week, Heather? Well, I uh, came across a website and I, I don't, you know, sometimes you go down a rabbit hole and you don't really know what where you started. But I <laughs> all, the time, all the time, all the time, life's like that now, isn't it? So I found myself at a website, um, uh, robertsoncooper.com. Uh, and it's an organisation that was founded by uh, Professor Ivan Robertson and Sir Carrie Cooper. Sir Carrie Cooper is one of the um, most well-known workplace psychologists and understands um, the way that we work together and looks very much at workplace well-being um, and how you create a good day at work. And as part of this, so the website in itself is interesting. There's blogs, there's resources, um, but there's an an opportunity to take a free resilience report. Oh, okay. So I thought, oh, we love doing a test. Ooh, is I it would, a test? It's it's not a test because that suggests that you could fail in some okay. way. Okay, but is it a quiz? It's it's a questionnaire. Yeah, it's a questionnaire. Same thing. I love Same all thing. that. <laughs> Same thing. And, and what they say is that um, you know once we reach adulthood our personalities are fairly well formed and they remain relatively stable, um, notwithstanding alcohol. Um, (laughs) But our levels of resilience can vary considerably, particularly if we've been through something. You know, often you get people who um, have a bad experience. Um, You you might have taken some time out of work for some reason. You're going back into the workplace. And it's that ability to... To assert and 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 be be more you, be more of that unique being. So um, it's a free tool, and you can just you go along and you answer the questions, and you'll start to understand uh, the four key components uh, that we use for resilience, and they are confidence, adaptability, purposefulness, and the need for social support. So recognizing where you need other people what you and what you need from other people um so i went along and i did my report um which i won't go into detail about however uh it it was it's a good report it's 14 pages um some of it is generic of course it is but it it was it was a really interesting uh report to read because it's looking at stuff that doesn't often get looked at uh, so, um, and it gives you sort of things that hinder and things that help and how you then uh, respond in certain situations. Was there anything that surprised you? Um, I 
suppose the one thing that it, it it said that reaction to pressure hinders my resilience, me personally. Actually, I think I prefer I perform really well under pressure. I think that I can become very focused. Uh, so it does affect you. Doesn't necessarily mean but in it a doesn't bad way. Mean, yeah, but I I. I don't see that as a hindrance mm. the way but maybe they're looking deeper than than I'm able to consciously look um but yeah and it and it obviously it tells you you know you shouldn't worry you know the level of worry you know if you worry about stuff that can impact so but it's yeah it's it's a good report it's worth having it's free the website itself is a great resource whether you um manage a team are managed um got people in you in your world who you find a little bit challenging find yourself in a situation that you find a bit challenging so yeah that's my discovery for this week great so as i mentioned before get yourself along to our website we'd really welcome your comments and if you want to um, comment on what we've said or give us any other ideas of things that we we might want to explore for future shows then please do leave a comment on our blog on the website which is the business.community Every week we like to hone in on somebody who has um, achieved something fantastic uh, in business or has taken a business to a different level or has set up a business from scratch. And this week we're, we're looking at a lady who, once we started to look into her, you start to recognise that she's probably not actually a businesswoman. And she's certainly not a businesswoman by design. And she says she doesn't call herself a businesswoman. She, she doesn't. And yet... If you asked a lot of people, women in particular, who they admire as a businesswoman, her name would be somewhere in the top of the list. We're talking about Oprah Gayle Winfrey, um, born January 29th, 1954. Um, her Wikipedia page describes her as a media executive, actress, talk show host, TV producer and philanthropist. And she is... The queen of all media is, is is what she's often called. I see her as an amazing brand. She, the Oprah brand. She's well. She's one of those people you only need to say Oprah, and Doesn't everybody knows. You don't need to say Winfrey. No, it's like Madonna. You know, it's like Lulu. Yeah, Oprah, and everybody knows who you're talking about. And for some reason. It is associated then with a positive and successful um, sense of, 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 of this individual. So, um, so she wasn't quite what we thought she was going to be, but interesting nonetheless. What did you find out about Oprah? Um, well, first of all, I found her real-time net worth as $2.6 billion. Wow. And, That's uh, quite a lot of money. And she came from um, from actually presenting um, to talk show. Um, she, apparently, she ran this talk show for twenty five years, and it became a media and business empire. And uh, she's launched her own cable channel called Own, and uh, she's um, bought into Weight Watchers as well. So she's um, a brand ambassador, but she also owns uh, an eight percent stake in Weight Watchers and has been this year the face of Weight Watchers. She's actually been in the advertising and the company say that it's a good response to its ad campaigns and helping them to retain subscribers. And which I thought, actually, having read all the press before that, she she isn't keen on giving her name willy-nilly to anybody to use. She, she doesn't let people... She, she keeps control 
of her yeah. brand. I mean, that is her business, her brand. And so she's turned away a lot of requests to um, f- to companies for using her names. And even when she does let them, she retre- retains full control of that as well. Uh, also, in, I say she doesn't refer to herself as a businesswoman. I picked that up from an interview she did with Fortune magazine where she said um, the only time she thinks about being a businesswoman is now when I'm talking to you. She was obviously being interviewed by a business magazine. And um, she's turned down invitations to join corporate boards, uh, AT&T, Ralph Lauren and Intel, which a lot of the people we've profiled, that's sort of their retirement home, mm-hmm. isn't it? Going mm-hmm. and joining the board of some, some big companies. So she's turned those down. So she's... She's different in that her Oprah's own life is her brand. Yes. It's her. She's selling herself. And um, you can see why she'd want to maintain strict control over that. Yeah. And I think I think that's the thing, because if you even if you look at um, anything about her, it would be very difficult. She's amassed this great fortune. She was the first black female billionaire. Um so her life from her roots through to where she is now, I don't think anybody could, you know, have charted that on a map um, with the most positive will in the world. Uh, but she, um, you couldn't actually, I couldn't actually figure out where all her money came from. She's amassed this great wealth, but no one strand seems to be the it. It. Yeah. Um, so she's obviously very good at um, spotting an opportunity and then bringing it to fruition. Now, whether that's with surrounding herself with a great team of people or whether that's that she's got the the get up and go to to drive it forward, I have no idea. I have no sense of why her financial success is the extent that it is, other than her popularity as a human being, as Oprah, as a a woman. It's interesting as well, because although her business is her brand, her personal life is very private. Yeah, yeah. You know, and she she doesn't bring that into the mix. Um, I do f- do know that she lives in California. Uh, she's got an estate that she calls the Promised Land, okay. and she bought it for fifty two million in two thousand and one. And that she's got homes in other U.S. states and in Antigua, and she's got a customized jet. However, <laughs> of course she has. And I didn't dig it. I didn't feel the need to dig any deeper. I, I, it's as if she presents enough of herself totally. that you don't need to know all the detail of her private life totally. and what's going on in the relationships. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned Forbes before. Um, her real-time net worth was listed on Forbes as $2.6 billion. We've referred to these lists before, but... Forbes do loads of lists and she appeared on a list in 2010 um, she was number 64 in the list of powerful people in um, in 2014 she was number four on the celebrity 100 list 2018 she was 298 on the Forbes 400 number 20 had power women in 2018 number 916 on the list of billionaires in 2019 and number 10 in America's self-made women again in 2019 she's made a few lists but what I like is this you know she's been around for a long time yet this this isn't waning at all no brand is not waning no and I guess that she worked she well she obviously works very hard but she works very hard at maintaining that contact knowing who her audience is 
knowing what matters to them. You know, she's been around long enough that um, the the woman that she was speaking to uh, 20 years ago would be very different to the woman she's speaking to today. It would be the same woman, but they would be in a very different place in the world, different challenges, etc. And there's no denying. I mean, I'm sure, you know, men think she's great, but women just adore her. You know, she's she's just got this place in their hearts. Um yeah, and, and she talks. Um, I don't know if you've got any quotes, but I, I found a, I found a couple of interesting quotes that I thought really demonstrate the ethos and and the way that she comes across. The first one is she says, "Speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have." And then she says, "Let me tell you, money's pretty nice, um, but having lots of money does not automatically make you a successful person. What you want is money." and meaning and I think she's got she's got the balance of that yeah um and and I don't feel the same way that when we were talking about Richard Branson earlier I don't feel the same sense of well yeah you would say that now because you're a billionaire so yeah yeah it's not just the money no you do get the authenticity that she everything that she's choosing to do has got a meaning for her for her yeah 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 and and maybe that's why people are attracted to her. Yeah. So I've got two quotes. Okay. Um, I One is short and sweet. It says, I, I feel that luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Fair enough, yeah. And I really like this one. The challenge of life, I have found, is to build a resume that doesn't simply tell a story about what you want to be, but it's a story about who you want to be. That Yeah, that sums it up really, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. So that's Oprah Winfrey. Um, let us know what you think about her. Um, there's there's more to the woman than meets the eye. And if you can find out which part of her business has generated the the lion's share, then we'd be interested to know about it. Um, but that's that's about all we've got time for this week. We will be back next week with the business community. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.